Menace to Sports is brought to you by Progressive. Are you driving your car or doing laundry right now? Podcasts go best when they're bundled with another activity, like Progressive Home and Auto Policies. They're best when bundled, too. Having these two policies together makes insurance easier and could help you save. Customers who save by switching their home and car insurance to Progressive save over $775 on average. Quote a home and car bundle today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings is $779 by new customers surveyed who save with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Not available in all states. Gil Elliott. And he's got an opening. Elliott. Off to the races. Can they catch him? No, they can't. Touchdown. 85 yards. It's so easy to be average. It takes a little something to be special, Don. It takes a little something special to be a great player. Braxton Miller is loose. Spin move. Miller headed for the end zone. We don't want to coach average. I don't want to be around you. Why be around average? We're going inside him. We're going outside him. Inside him, outside him. And when we get him on the run once, we're going to keep him on the run. And we're not going to pass unless our secondary comes up too close. But don't forget, man, we're going to get him on the run. We're going to go, 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 go. And we aren't going to stop until we go to that goal line. Don't forget, man, today is the day we're going to win. Menace to... Welcome to Menace to the Midwest, our college football show on Midwest football. It is Tuesday, October 15th. Thank you for tuning in. We uh, I had it, it was uh, it was honestly a, a business as usual weekend in Midwest yeah, football, Midwest, to be honest with yeah. you. I mean, there was no upsets. Uh, the only ranked team that lost, I think, was Iowa, which is was Which that they, they were supposed to lose. They lost yeah, to a they, team ranked ahead of them. Right. So. It, it, it was in a top 10 team. It yeah. was really just business as usual, unlike some other places down <laughs> yeah. south. Um, it, was, uh, it was a good weekend, though. A good weekend of football. Uh, the first thing I want to... Uh, the first question I have is, is Minnesota for real? Right. <laughs> yeah. That's a that's a great they're, question. They're I don't un- know. I mean, undefeated, right? I mean, we're talking about just mean? like in the, in the Big Ten picture or even like the... We're not talking about national landscape. They're not real. We know that. <laughs> but but in all reality, right. six and zero to start, and I'm a, I'm as critical as anyone of the used car salesman that is PJ Fleck. And I know they yeah. haven't haven't really beat anyone, but they they routed Nebraska this weekend for their first six and zero start in in over fifteen years. Mm-hmm. I mean that's that's impressive, right? It's yeah. significant for I, sure. I yeah. mean PJ Fleck has them rowing the boat. You know, and then they got what two cupcakes coming up. Well, the good thing is, is up in Minnesota when it gets cold, those boats don't row; <laughs> it's frozen. You the better, lakes freeze. You better get some ice skates, PJ. <laughs> but Minnesota, I mean, credit to them; they're six and zero. Oh. I mean, they they definitely have some games coming up that that should change they on the might, on the back end for they, sure. They might go one and five down the stretch here, <laughs> yeah, unless exactly. unless Rutgers can pull out a dub. Hey, <laughs> but uh, it, it, the, I think the two the two big games in the Midwest. There's three big games that there was this weekend. Mm-hmm. I think the biggest and most significant performance of the weekend had to be Wisconsin shutting out Michigan State. Yes, Wisconsin no doubt about it. Blanking Michigan State. Well, I mean, th- the reality is, is you sit there and talk about Wisconsin and how they have arguably the best defense in the United States of America, mm-hmm. and I don't know if you, I don't know that you can even argue that. But when they do it to Michigan State, which I, I get it, I know they're inept on offense. I yep. know they and Taylor Lewecki got benched, and they don't really have a quarterback. I get all that, but. 
when your defense is ranked number one or number two in every statistical <laughs> category, every single one, That's like ridiculous. outside of their their eighty seventh on fourth down conversions, which is what <laughs> three out of or four, uh, they, they need to improve on that. Right. I mean, it, it, the the only thing that they 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 are not top five in is uh, they're eighth in the country in sacks, seventh in the country in red zone touchdowns against them. Against. <laughs> Seventh in the country in tackles for loss, and seventh in the country in creating turnovers. Well, how many opportunities in the red zone has that defense <laughs> well, had? <laughs> that's the issue. No one ever gets there. <laughs> They've given up twenty nine total points all year. But so. I mean, yeah. I, and, and I, I feel like I could do it every episode. Total defense one, passing defense one, yeah. pass efficiency defense one, rushing defense one, rushing average two, scoring defense one, explosive stopping explosive plays two, like. First down defense one, third down defense one. Like, holy <laughs> shit. I heard what? Rush average was two? They better work on that one. Well, I, I know because they're giving up 1.8 yards a carry, and that is abysmal. I mean, JK might have 400 yards rushing. I mean, at least. I mean, it's just, it's unbelievable what they're doing right now. Wisconsin's defense is just absolutely loaded. Now, I think the matchup with Ohio State, the issue they're going to have is they're, they're, Wisconsin's offense is pretty above average at best. Mm-hmm. And so that that's that's the matchup that I, I'm like sitting here chomping at the bit. Like, let's let's talk about let's it. Let's get, there. get, there let's get into it. And exactly. it's like, no, no, calm down. You're like, hopefully Ohio State's actual team and staff is not thinking like me yeah. because <laughs> right. North, yeah. Northwestern might pull something. Pull something, yeah. yeah. Well, uh, Wisconsin has at least one more shutout to get, get through before they have to face Ohio State. So that's good, <laughs> right? Thank goodness. Uh, but it, but it was an awesome, awesome win for them. A, do, a dominant, an absolutely dominant win for them. And and I saw a tweet they put out. I don't know if you guys saw it, but yep. they said uh, they put their score up against Central Michigan, Michigan, and Michigan State. And they said, "Send us the deed at Upper Peninsula. <laughs> we run this shit." Yeah, yeah. They they give up. Uh, only points they gave up were the fourteen to Michigan. To the whole state the of whole Michigan, state. the whole state, uh, which which is which we don't give a damn about, <laughs> right? But uh, moral of the story is there. Uh, Wisconsin is playing, out, I mean, outrageous on defense, and and I, I'm so excited for next week when we get to break down that that game, preview that game. Uh, we might do honestly, we might do an entire episode just on that game because it's it's going to be hard because uh-huh. that game is so nationally relevant Huge. and so Midwest relevant and so Big Ten relevant. It's like we we'll probably just need to dictate a whole episode to it. Yeah. When you think about it, the the only other game that is even close to that relevant is going to be Alabama LSU. Yeah, that's yeah. I mean, it's, those it's are like the two the biggest matchups. Yeah. That's like the equivalent. Yeah, the SEC First, equivalent is that game. But yeah. absolutely, absolutely. And, and and you know, we'll see how Penn State does. If 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 Penn yeah. State can roll off some wins and yep. then Ohio State beats Wisconsin, then the Penn State Ohio State game will be huge. Oh, that'll be huge too. But yeah. but regardless, in the next two weeks, it's the the biggest game. On the scene, well, yeah, for sure. What is it? Number three against number six. Well, yeah, right now, like you know, we, yeah. got a, we got a week. Yeah. But uh, right now, it is. It's going to be a, a, arguably a top five matchup. But Probably, anyways, yeah. Wisconsin rolled, and that's that's what it was expected. I don't think I don't know how you could have expected thirty eight nothing. I mean, that's that's mm-hmm. a, a, a grade A ass whooping. Yeah. And and they they did it. But uh, the other game that was somewhat relevant, uh, Penn State pulled out a grueling win at Iowa at Iowa, which is of note. But what was a crazy stat for me was that was James Franklin's first win first, yeah. on the road versus a ranked opponent. Yep. <laughs> Got that monkey off his back, let's hope. Uh, I, apparently. I mean, I, I, I can't believe that's never happened. Yeah. And I, I, I was going through my 
like history and i was like yeah no we well we beat him at home every time mm-hmm. yeah and um michigan I, beat him at home every time which is it's wild that he's never yeah. had one yeah. but yeah. that was uh that was a, a good win for them they actually didn't look that impressive uh iowa no it, it was a very uneventful i mean 17 to 12 iowa ends up <laughs> i think the most disappointing thing was penn state's defense iowa put up 356 yards total offense they went 8 to 18 on third down which is not not horrific. No, I mean, it's no. almost 50%. Yeah. That's pretty good. They went two of two on fourth down. So that means they went 10 of 20 on third and fourth down. That's 50%. Yeah. That's kind of the benchmark that I've always put. Like, you want to go 50%. And if you do, you're going to be right up there in the top 10 in the country. And so they did it. Iowa did it against Penn State. Uh, I think the most disappointing thing ever was that Iowa, this is Iowa now, the Hawkeyes, like Kirk Ferenz, the Hawkeyes, they rushed for 70 yards total. Yeah. Nice. And that, it, that's two games in a row they couldn't run the football. Yeah, and I don't know why. That one against Michigan was just ugly. Yeah. But and, the way I here's the way I look at it. I, in my opinion, Iowa was kind of a pretender, anyways. Mm-hmm. For so sure. Penn State goes to Iowa, which is never easy. I've been there on the other yeah, end of it for yeah. sure. I remember. But they go in there. Iowa turns the ball over twice has 70 yards rushing and they win by five yeah, yeah exactly that's a little scary for penn for state penn being state. a real contender and i'm i'm over here trying to profess that the big 10 in midwest is, is is where football is the strongest right now and i'm not i'm not i'm not dissenting from that but penn state was disappointing on saturday i know mm-hmm. they won i know they went on the road and beat a, a ranked opponent i think it was a disappointing performance for penn state's defense specifically mm-hmm. It's a little alarming for sure. Yeah, and I mean their offense their offense was fine. I mean the Sean Clifford threw for 117 yards, which isn't great. No. no. <laughs> um 12 of 24, 50% completion percentage. They went 10 of 19 on third down, which is that's pretty yeah, good. That's mm-hmm. above 50%. Yeah. But I mean eight <laughs> but, penalties for 80 yards. Yeah. Well, ah. the thing is and and what I thought of when I looked at this game was Iowa needed to do so much to come back from that embarrassing performance offensively against Michigan. Yeah. And I, I think maybe that and being at home helped them kind of overinflate their offensive stats. And the second thing when I looked at when I looked at uh, Clifford's throwing numbers, yeah. I couldn't help myself, but I, I heard this earlier in the week and Justin Fields was committed to Penn State before he decommitted and went to Georgia. Could you imagine this Penn State team if they had Capitalize on that and actually got Justin Fields. Yeah, it would, it would be a it'd be a far different uh, be a different team right now. <laughs> uh, but that um, he so he committed what 2016, I think it was. So that was probably his middle of around his junior year of high school. And that is Penn State's mantra, or that not their mantra. That has been their track record in recruiting. They'll be so hot on kids that are young, like sophomores, juniors, that like they'll 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 surge in front of everyone, and then slowly, yeah. The, Come the, back to reality. The real, the real racehorses <laughs> yeah. catch yeah, up. They're like, you know oh, what okay. I mean? Yeah. It, what I what I heard about it was it was like Penn State got in early. He committed. He was all in on Penn State, and then all of a sudden he started getting calls from Georgia, Georgia. and Ohio Al- State, Alabama. And Alabama, and it's like, <laughs> oh wait a minute, I like these guys. Well, it's, it's, it, that's Penn State's always done that, and, and it's a, a, a credit to James Franklin and his staff. They get in so early and get so much momentum going. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it would definitely be a different landscape yeah, if Justin probably, Fields was the Penn State Nittany Lions yeah. quarterback. Probably, we probably still have Tate Martell. He'd be running the <laughs> offense right now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Ouch. Mm. <laughs> well, uh, fortunately, he went to Georgia <laughs> yeah. for, Ohio, for Ohio State fans, at least. Yeah, right? exactly. And uh, so that, it was an, it was a good win for them. I, I was I, I wouldn't say a good win. It was a win for them, <laughs> right. and it was it was yeah. I guess nice to get the monkey off his back. That is finally beating a ranked opponent yep. at their place. 
but that's gonna that's gonna bode an issue in the future mm-hmm. if they play like that against some of the teams coming down the pipe, yeah. for sure. Support for Menace Society comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below-the-belt grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Halloween is right around the corner, and you don't want to spook someone with your scary bush. You might be Chewbacca, Bigfoot, or a hairy bear, but it's what's under the costume that really matters. Oh, man, I have a funny story about that. I was uh, a couple years ago, well, actually probably about six, seven years ago, I wish I would have had these products they sent us because I wore one of those morph suits uh, for Halloween, and I was a little too ungroomed, I I think, and it was kind of noticeable. Oh, you could see it. Yeah, Uh, it it was. uh, I had to put some shorts on. Yeah, that's, that's not good. That's not good. But uh, don't be that hairy guy. Manscaped is forever changing the grooming game with their Perfect Package 2.0. Inside the Perfect Package, you'll find their electric trimmer called the Lawnmower 2.0. This waterproof and skin-safe technology will protect you from nicking your pumpkins. You can also create less mess in, by trimming in the shower. And of course, let's not forget about the Crop Preserver, an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? The Perfect Package 2.0 also includes anti-chafing performance boxer briefs that keep your package cool and smelling fresh all day. For on-the-go freshness, you'll love the Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. It's time to get clean and mean with this Perfect Package 2.0. Fortunately, right now, you're getting 20% off with with free shipping using our code MENACE, M-E-N-A-C-E, at manscaped.com. Stay sexy this Halloween. Your balls will thank you. Again, get 20% off of free shipping with the code MENACE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use code MENACE. All right, so the other game uh, in in the Midwest that was uh, pseudo-relevant was mm-hmm. the Fighting Irish taking on the USC Trojans, and they, they really uh, thwarted a 14-point fourth-quarter comeback. And and were able to, they were able to pull it out, winning by three. Yeah, it ended up being a lot closer than it was most of the game, but it definitely uh, was a good game. They came, you know they they bring the jeweled shillelagh back uh-huh. to uh, mm-hmm. South Bend. <laughs> the good old jeweled shillelagh. Thank God, because people were so worried. Uh, and I don't know if you guys see Brian Kelly on the onside kick when Notre Dame recovered it to win the game. I didn't see him. He was no. like on the field. Oh, he was, was like he really. He was like on the field, like almost like a twelfth player. Like and nothing. It was like the most bizarre thing I've ever had seen. Did he, did he recover it? Uh, he he would have if they didn't recover it. He was there for the he was the there tip just, drill, just in case. I think. Yeah. Well, well, when your job's on the line, you yeah, do anything right. to keep it. Okay, that, that's a fact. That's a fact. Uh, but I think Notre Dame's defense kind of is is, is starting to. I don't want to say fall apart, but giving up four hundred twenty six yards to USC. Uh, in in my opinion, Notre Dame is out right now. Probably. They're out, and they were probably out when they lost to Georgia, anyways. Well, especially since Georgia lost to yeah. South Carolina, that yeah. doesn't help Notre Dame at no, all. That that Georgia loss hurts them. Um, it, it, it definitely doesn't help. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, and and the other thing that doesn't help is Michigan not looking like the Michigan that they were supposed to. Yeah, I mean, and also that they go and beat Virginia. You say that's a good win, then Virginia goes and loses, loses to, Miami, to Miami. Right? Right? Exactly. <laughs> so Notre, Notre Dame, Notre Dame's uh, entire resume right now is kind of falling apart. So you're looking at probably and. Uh, Outback Bowl, cotton, not Outback Bowl, no. maybe a Cotton Bowl. Yeah, they'll or, get, if they win out, they'll get a New Year's Six Bowl. Yeah, they will. Cotton they'll bowl. get a New yeah. Year. Yeah. But I don't think they will. That's the p- point yeah. of me bringing this up. I think they go in the big house and get beat uh, this week. And, oh, and yeah. I, I think Oof. it's uh, I think it's a signature win for Jim Harbaugh. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what it will be. is It's going to be a battle of uh, two very mediocre quarterbacks. Yeah. 100%. That, that's for sure. And, and two... 
two underperforming defenses. I won't yeah. say bad. I think they're they're both relatively good defenses. Yeah, yeah. They just aren't performing that well mm-hmm. right now. But I, it was, it, it, I would have been remiss not to mention the game and at least talk about it for a yep. second because Notre Dame-USC is a rivalry. Mm-hmm. Notre Dame is... Five and one, they are the ninth team in the country. I mean, they are those things, but in my opinion, Notre Dame is out. Well, I think yeah. it's I think it's stupid that they don't play this game the last game of the year wow. every single year. It's just like the reason that nobody from the South will come to the North. It, I you know, understand that. I it, just think it, it's USC ridiculous. has set in stone. Hey, we'll play you every year. It's going to be the last game when it's in California, and it's going to be in October when it's in South Bend because we don't want to go to cold weather. Yeah, they can't do cold weather. Is. Which is surprising that Notre Dame wouldn't flex their fake muscles right? and be exactly. like, "No, yeah." But well, it's been going on a long time. Yep. Yeah. Either way, I think it was a a very, <laughs> very lackluster win for Notre Dame. But they won. I had to mention it. Didn't want to not mention it. So that's that's the Fighting Irish update of the week. Uh, I think Notre Dame is is slowly exposing that they are who they always were. Georgia losing certainly makes it seem like that that loss because I I was on, I was high on Notre Dame yeah yeah when we they lost were, to Georgia yeah, and sure. played Georgia the way that they played them I was like wow Notre Dame looked pretty decent I thought they were going to get blown out but mm-hmm. it comes as the picture gets yeah. clearer it seems like Notre Dame is exactly what I thought they were and yeah. Georgia and not. is a little bit less than yeah. uh, uh, expected. Yeah, expected. Yeah. Right. Well, when you look at Notre Dame, what it comes down to is they have poor quarterback play, or at least very below average quarterback play. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. is the only bright spot, really, on the offense, mm-hmm. uh, averaging seven yards a carry. And their defense no. is very mediocre. Yeah. Well, And Cole Komet, Thank sorry. Thank you. I was going to say, they have a great tight end, actually. Yes, they do. <laughs> but it's hard to have a great tight end when your quarterback, no quarterback can't get him the ball. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, it's... Uh, that's, anyways, that's the Notre Dame update. Had to throw it in there. Don't want to take too much more time on it because it's not interesting and people don't care. <laughs> <laughs> but here's one thing I think people do care about and that is going on in college football, and that is uh, the takeover by Fox. I mean, they are going after ESPN right now. And what just was announced the, uh, earlier this week, they secured the noon slot kickoff for Wisconsin-Ohio State in two weeks, which outside of uh, Alabama-LSU is probably the biggest game of the season, the regular season at, for sure. And Fox News, or Fox News, Fox secured that kickoff. And on top of that, then, the big noon kickoff is going to be there. And it, it made me think, how far game day has fallen and and the, what the the size of the bite that Fox has taken out of ESPN and game day right now i mean when you just look at game day and the history of game day went back when they had Fa- uh, chris fowler kirk herbstreet and of course the headgear donning lee corso it was it was the bee's knees, man. It was the best. Everyone tuned in. Everyone was fired up. I mean, it was like Saturday morning, 9.30 a.m. People are waking up or tailgating and turning it on. And it was it was the culture. It was a cult of college football. And though they haven't lost that, that live aspect of game day, it's slowly deteriorating. Not even slowly. It's rapidly deteriorating in front of our eyes. And it's no more evident than the people that are on it. I mean, you, you think about it. Chris Fowler left to do play-by-play and then entered Reese Davis, and there was a slight fall-off. And then obviously, unfortunately, and, and to, to no uh, fault of his own, obviously, Lee Corso had a stroke. And the man that was always a mere character and spectacle of, of, on the show anyways became one that has cle- clearly been dealing with the lasting effects of having a major stroke. And I can relate to that personally. Uh, my grandfather, Earl Bruce, 
had a stroke. It was probably 2015. He had a he had a, a bad stroke. He had to be life flighted from a family reunion, and I actually was in uh, Columbus because we were just getting back to work in the, the summer. And I'll never forget it. It was terrifying. And uh, I'll never forget that I had to make a phone call to Urban Meyer at like uh, probably like 11.30 p.m. and tell him what had happened. And um, I, was, I, was, I was destroyed. He was upset. It was, re- it was really bad. And um, so then we dealt with the after effects of a, a loved one that had a stroke. And it, it was hard. And then on top of that, which I'm going to get into in a, another segment here coming up, then he had battled Alzheimer's, which didn't help. I mean, stroke and Alzheimer's is just you don't know which is causing which, what, what, what all the side effects are from the stroke or what's from Alzheimer's. But either way, I mean, that's, that's the Lee Corso we're watching today. And then there's the big noon kickoff. Enter Urban Meyer, the younger, more knowledgeable, and more successful college football coach between the two with actual insight and analysis. Lee Corso was a fun guy who happened to coach college football at one point. Urban Meyer is one of the best two coaches of our lifetimes. It's just not even comparable. And so the question is, where, where if, if, if the big noon kickoff is going to Wisconsin, Ohio State, the biggest game in the country that week, which always game day has been at the biggest game in the country, where does, where does ESPN go? And I don't think it's been announced yet, but what are they going to do? College game day live from Michigan, Notre Dame? Yikes. That's a bad Bad look, and it's indicative of where game day's going and where Fox's Big Noon kickoff is going. Now, I think they could have come up with a better name. I mean, Big Noon kickoff, that's that's not that catchy or marketing savvy of a name. But either way, ESPN is losing, and they're losing hard. Game day has been a subpar product for a while now, and Fox parlayed Urban Meyer's retirement into their stab at that market. And uh, you, look, I, I did some research. According to Sports Media Watch, the ratings for last Saturday's high noon game, so th- this is not last Saturday, this would be September 21st, uh, Fox was at the Michigan-Wisconsin game. The ratings were a 3.1. ESPN was at Tennessee-Florida. The ratings were a 1.6. The week before that, the high noon game, Fox's Ohio State-Indiana uh, broadcast hit a 2.0, and ESPN's Kansas State-Mississippi State hit a 1.0. So they're already doing better numbers. Now, the difference is ESPN is going to have more viewers because they're doing a three-hour show. And, and the good thing is, is Urban's pushing Fox to, to really go after ESPN and increase their time slot. And now you see they're doing a two-hour show instead of a one-hour show. And now they're going live on, on, on site and on location. And they're taking a bite out of ESPN right now. And it is phenomenal to watch. I mean, Ur- Urban's knowledge is invaluable. He has a great personality. He, he does struggle on air to an extent, but he's, I mean, better than 99% of the people that I watch on TV. Brady Quinn is one of the best doing it. I watch very few people that I think are knowledgeable at that, at that highest level, and I, I'll probably forget a couple, but the list that's at the top of my head is Brady Quinn, Joey Galloway, Joel Klatt. Uh, there's probably a couple other ones, but uh, like I said, a, a few others that I, I just off the top of my head I, I can't think of, but those three are on a level above almost every other analyst out there. The other guy that's phenomenal is Reggie Bush is a stud on air. His analysis is just okay, but he's phenomenal on set. His personality, his presence, he's critical in their success. However, I think to take down the cultural giant that game day is, and it shouldn't be that hard to take down or take that long because they're doing it right now. Here's my opinion. I think Rob Stone is the weakest link on air, at least. They could do so much better for a host. They have the talent there, but what is left to wonder is his value off air. I don't know his value off air. He might be the one driving the ship. 
It seems he has more value value with cultivating and enhancing the show off air from what I've heard and read, but on air, they could do better. Honestly, similarly, they could do better than Matt Leinart. He provides minimal value outside of his name. And in my opinion, who they should go get enter Tim Tebow, a bigger name, better on air talent. And urban Meyer could get that done yesterday. <laughs> that, that I that that should happen. If they could somehow steal Tebow over and get him on Urban's Fox News sh- show with Brady and Matt Liner, I mean, uh, not Matt, with Reggie Bush, and then if, if, Rob Stone, if it has to be, or find a better host, we're talking about by, by and far the best pr- uh, preview show and platform in college football, and it blows ESPN's game day out of the water. But I just had to get that off my chest because I've been watching it and I'm seeing it and I've, and I've been seeing the trends on social media and everyone agrees. I mean, people are all on it. So I would challenge you, don't turn on game day. Don't turn it. Don't give them the ratings. Just turn on Fox Big News kickoff, uh, Big Noon kickoff. That's what I'm doing. I don't, I, I refuse to watch ESPN. It's, it's, it's awful. I'll watch a game if I have to, because I'm going to watch the game. But the preview show and all that nonsense and that analysis, it's not even analysis. It's like a horse and pony show. Like they got crowds, they got signs, which that's cute. And then they got to put a mascot head on. That's all funny. It's like watching a comedy show. It's not watching a news documentation. So that would be my challenge. I had to get off my chest. But real quick, uh, when we come back after this quick message from one of our sponsors, I want to talk about uh, my grandfather for a minute, just because I never really have on the show. And I want to share something that I I don't know how many people have heard, but but I, I... kind of was going down a rabbit hole on YouTube last night and I found it and it was a video from his celebration of life. And so I want to play the audio for it uh, right after this. Do you ever find yourself wishing that you could make some extra cash with your NFL knowledge? At MyBookie, they want to make your dream come true this season. Right now, all players are invited to play in the free $50,000 Survivor Contest. Winner takes all. Contest starts October 8th and closes October 14th before the start of Monday Night Football. Pick one team each week. Survive the longest, and you can take home fifty thousand in cash. Make a successful deposit with my bookie, and you'll receive a free entry into the contest today. Between football season, the Major League Baseball playoffs, and the start of NBA and NHL seasons, it's time to get off the sideline and get into action. If you're the kind of guy who likes to bet a little to win a lot, try a parlay. For instance, if you like a couple of the big favorites this week, parlays are perfect because they let you bet multiple games together for a much bigger payout. So if you're going to bet this season, do the smart thing and go to mybookie.ag because no one gives you more ways to win. If you really want to support your team this season, don't just sit on the sidelines. Get in the game with mybookie. And if you join right now, mybookie will double your first deposit. Use promo code MENACE, M-E-N-A-C-E, to activate the offer. That's promo code MENACE to double your cash. Visit mybookie.ag today. You play, you win, and you get paid. All right, so I want to share this audio, and here's a quick background uh, so my grandfather obviously was a coach at Ohio State. For those of you that don't know, I'm sure everyone knows that. He was a, a longtime football coach, Hall of Fame po- football coach, and uh, probably the, one of the greatest influencers on my life. And he passed away from Alzheimer's uh, a couple years ago, and I was coaching at Ohio State at the time, and they had a, a celebration for his life. And I've, a, a number of people got up and spoke. Matt McCoy, who was a good friend of his, um, Urban Meyer, Jim Tressel, and then my, uh, Tony Alford and myself all, all spoke. Uh, because those are the people that I guess were relevant and and cared about him and knew him on a personal level, and so I'm I was sitting here you know, wanted to find a couple audio clips, a couple things to talk about in the show, and I found my speech at that 
celebration. And I wanted to share it with you guys because, well, mainly because this is my show and I can do what I want. But I think it might be interesting. You might you might enjoy hearing my words at that time on a man and the impact he not only had on my life, but also the love he had for Ohio State. And it just it's, it's a testament to people like this and coaches like this that put their everything and, and genuinely care about their players and their university because this is a man that loved Ohio State University more than anything in the entire world other than his family. And uh, he actually, there's, there was scientific and medical proof that he did uh, when he was ailing and, and really dying from Alzheimer's. So I just want to play this and uh, just share it with you. He loved his players. He loved his coaches that coached for him, just like he loved his daughters and loved his grandchildren. It was the same to him. Believe me, I can tell you. Be a, be a teenage grandson of him and not renew your license plates. He, he reacted about how I imagine, Tony, he reacted if you fumbled. It, it was the same man, passionate and, and, and with energy. And he was a coach that prided himself on his teams being tough, rugged, well-coached football teams. And I make no mistake about it, when his grandson decided to get into football and told him he would wanted to uh, coach wide receivers, there was a, a sigh of disgust, I think, being an offensive line tough guy. And he, I'll never forget the advice he gave me. He said, coach them like linemen. That's what Urban did. That's why he's the best coach on my staff. Coach them like they're linemen. And so I've tried to do that every day of my career. Um, another, another funny aspect of, of my career and in, in interacting with him was when Coach Meyer gave me the opportunity to come back to Ohio State, he would come into my meetings, and he usually only lasted about 10 minutes. We'd probably talk about a curl route or something, and he'd get bored and go down to the O-line meeting. But um, I think there was a, a level of respect where, like, like we were talking, Matt McCoy was talking about where, where he would have opinions, and I think there was a level of respect for Coach Meyer where he, he realized you don't need to cross that line. He's, he's the head coach. Let him, let him do his deal. There was no level of respect in my meeting room. He would walk in after a game and he would tell me what he thought. He would tell me what we needed to do on defense and I would look at him, coach, I'm the wideout coach, what do you want me to do? Call a different defense? <laughs> but um, it, it was honestly an unbelievable experience being back here with him and, and the place that he so loved. Uh, if I had to share the personal values that he encompassed and taught in our family that I believe carried over his career, I would say loyalty was his greatest asset. At times, even to a fault, if he had your back, he had your back no matter what, forever. I saw it with when I lived with him in the summer in college, with players that would call, coach, I need this, coach, can you help me this? I mean, he would spend a whole day trying to help. I saw it within our own family. There, there's no one here that he would not help till his last day. <clears throat> Growing up, if we ever did anything, if he was buying a car, he bought it from a former player. If he was getting insurance, he'd call a former player. Everything he did, that's why he had to be in Columbus, because he wanted to support his players. And he was the same way with our family. He also firmly believed that's just what you should do. So much so that saying thank you often ended the conversation. He just believed that doing things for people he cared about was simply what you should do. I'll never forget several times, be a phone call and a thank you for doing that. I love you. And he was like, all right, but talk to you later. Bye-bye hang up because he, he didn't need thanked. He just felt like that's what you should do. But that was him. He was born to impact people. His children, his grandchildren, his great-grandchildren, 
his players, everyone he cared for. That's what a coach is, and that's what he taught me and taught a lot of people here. The last piece of advice he gave me that I think I should share on this platform was when his wife, my grandmother, and love of my life and his life passed away. It hit him hard. See, as a coach, you're, you're away from your families a lot. And it's, it's only validated and worth it if you do truly coach the way he coached and care about your players like their own, your own children. But he gave me a piece of advice when my grandmother passed away, and I know Coach Meyer got the, the same message. He said, let me tell you something, buddy. As he began to tear up, which was a rare occurrence. He said, you make sure you give the people you love one entire day every month. And treat them like the royalty that they are. You hear me? With the same infamous finger in my chest. He said, you treat them like your top recruit, your most valuable player, because let me tell you something, buddy, they are. And boy, is he right. Time is the greatest asset we all have, and he made sure I knew to allocate it equally among the people that I love. <clears throat> that was a very short and small depiction of who he was to our family that I thought I'd share, but I also want to talk about the genuine love and undying passion he had for this amazing place. Make no mistake about it, every school wants to be like us, and my grandfather is another example of why there's only one Buckeye Nation. I've seen other places, and this place is different. It's just different because of people like my grandfather. That's what makes it different, is the amazing people that have come through here and love this place. See, Alzheimer's, like other diseases, both within the body and society, they always attack the weak first, right? The weak parts of your mind, the weak memories. And they don't dare attack the strong memories, and he was a testament to that. Because the two things he loved more than anything was Buckeye Nation and his family. Even when he could no longer drive, he couldn't verbalize common thoughts like uh, what his favorite food was. The strength of his love for those two specific things stood far too powerful for that disease to pr uh, prey on. His extreme passion for his family and his love for the Ohio State Buckeyes was far too strong for Alzheimer's to touch. Until the very end, he never lost the ability to recognize or remember his family, trying to kiss my kids his final day when he heard their voice. And almost until the end, he never lost the ability to ask me, how's number 21 doing, the kid from Akron? He couldn't remember that an apple was his favorite fruit, but he could say, I tell you what, 16 played well Saturday. That's my kind of guy, he's tough. It was unbelievable because Alzheimer's couldn't take that. It was too strong. His love for this place was way too strong. When he had heart complications a few months back, his heart rate was alarmingly low. And when I would visit him, we would see medical proof of his love for this place. We'd start talking about practice, my players, Coach Meyer, whatever the topic, and his love for this place was so strong, it literally helped heal him and keep him alive as his heart rate would achieve normal levels. This has probably already been too long of a speech, but it's hard when your hero and the man you've wanted to be for 34 years has a celebration of this magnitude. Uh, I will end with this, which I believe is what makes Earl Bruce, a legend, and someone that I aspire to be like, and we all should. The greatest testimony to his life, the greatest gift he would give this world, was the general, generational impact he had by impacting a lot of people here who will then impact a lot more people. So his legacy will never, never end. I remember growing up as a kid, running into a lot of former players, and the reason why I got into coaching is they would always, I mean, it was countless, hundreds, would look at me and say, Zach, let me tell you something, this man right here is the reason why I am where I am today. 
I didn't know what a football coach was. I didn't really care. I just knew, wow, I want to do that for people. I want, I want someone to say that about me. I want to have that kind of impact. And that's why I decided to get into this. Because the, the number of people he impacted and I experienced as a kid growing up was unbelievable. So though my grandfather is gone now, no longer present on earth, but I'll tell you two things. He's ever present residing over us in heaven with my amazing grandmother. And his impact on all of us will resonate for generations because he made thousands better. He did what I and all of us should aspire to do. He changed the lives of thousands of people for the better because he cared about them and would do anything for them. His impact will be felt for generations. So all of Buckeye Nation, my family thanks you for being a love and passion our family has been fortunate enough to enjoy for our entire lives and for loving my grandfather as much as he loved you. I'd be remiss not to share the advice he gave me the day Coach Meyer hired me in 2012 to close. He got about six inches from my face and he said, listen to me, you work hard. You'd be loyal to Urban Meyer, love your players hard, and hate no one except Michigan. Go Bucks! Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. Ooh man, that's uh, cool. That's that. That is uh, that was that was a, a very trying thing to do. Uh, speak about the the person that was your mentor and 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 really did give, did everything for you on such a national stage. It was it was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. But I wanted to share it because um, one, I want to honor him as much as I can whenever I can. And I also wanted to share it because uh, I, I'd imagine a, a lot of people didn't get to see it or watch it or hear it. It was uh, during the day on a work day, so I know there was actually a, a pretty good turnout. It was on Big Ten Network, so I'm sure people did get to listen to it, but I wanted to share it again anyways, just in case you didn't. I thought you might enjoy it. Um, it's definitely something that was near and dear to my heart, but um, thank you for tuning in. I really appreciate it. This uh, this show is, is is growing, and I'm so thankful and, and have so much gratitude to the people that are enjoying it and supporting me and, and, and really fighting the narrative that that is in the media and is being put out there by just some evil people. Uh, but I, again, I just appreciate you tun tuning in. I appreciate you listening. I appreciate everyone for supporting this, and I'm excited to see it grow even further. Uh, we have some big things in the in the pot cooking. Hopefully, they 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 end up coming out the other end. I know a couple things haven't yet, but uh, we have a, a lot of big things that we're trying to get done. And just want to thank you for tuning in. Thank you for listening. Looking forward to uh, previewing these next this this weekend coming up Thursday. I think we're going to drop two shows on Thursday. It's a dub, double down Thursday, so make sure you tune in and check that out. And uh, thanks for tuning in. Well, he has trouble with the snap, and the ball is free. It's picked up by Michigan State's Jalen Watts Jackson, and he scores on the last play of the game. Unbelievable. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. Team, team, team. What a hit. Denzel Ward. You got barbecue back there, and you didn't invite me. Did you push yourself to be great today? Did you do it? If you didn't do it, you lost today. Don't let that team stand in the way. Go away! Menace to...